Welcome to Standing in Her Power Global. I am your host, Penny Sophocles. In this podcast, I speak to unique and interesting women to hear their stories and their individual approaches to life and work. Each one offers living examples of how women are evolving our society for the better. They demonstrate what they can do, you can do too. Good morning, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us uh, today. I'm really delighted to have Sally Klein of uh, the company coach with me today. Uh, I've known Sally for about 15 years. We've worked together as coaches. She's a phenomenal coach and um, I've loved working with her. And she's worked with some really powerful women. And I'm really going to um, inquire into her thinking today about what her experience has been both in herself uh, in terms of a woman working in the world and also how she has coached other women and the uh, journey that they've made. So welcome Sally. Thank you. Good morning Penny. Hello everybody. Um, So Sally I'd love to um, perhaps have you introduce yourself and give everyone um, a bit of a um, some background about who you are and uh, you're an American and uh, here you are and I know you've lived in England for at least 30 years to my knowledge so yes. tell, tell me um, tell us about your journey and w- what has um, meant that you've got gone from America to, to here uh, and, and give us some background. Okay um, it's kind of always interesting isn't it when someone asks you to to give your background. Uh, I won't tell you how old I am, but I have a lot of background that I could give. Um, yeah, my my I started uh, in the United States. I was involved in uh, psychology and psychological counseling. Uh, and that's how I started my career in a settlement house in New York City, helping people from a, a multi-ethnic, low-income uh, background get jobs in the private sector. Uh, and then I was married to a guy who was in the theater. So we moved to Arizona for his career. Uh, and there I changed in, and went into corporate sales, which was a really interesting shift. Uh, and then again, had to move because of his career to Wisconsin. And eventually he and I parted ways and um, I stayed in Wisconsin uh, and I was on a plane going to a conference and I happened to sit next to a very charming Englishman. And a couple of years later, I found myself living over here and married to him. Uh, so that's how, that's how I got uh, here. And um, I, want, I remember thinking, you know, coming to a new country, it's an opportunity to, to kind of, uh, I don't say reinvent myself, but to uh, think about what I wanted to do. And although I had left counseling, it was always in my heart and in my blood. And I wanted to do something that would bring the psychology and the uh, corporate sales uh, experience into uh, one package. And training and development and coaching and facilitation seemed like a good thing to do. I went back to the University of Surrey, got another master's degree in uh, change agent skills and strategies. So we were looking at how do you get change at individual group and corporate level or group uh, organization level. Um, Met some wonderful, wonderful people. And uh, I've been in that field ever since. Very good. Yes, which is when I just after that we met. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. Um, So um, I know that um, you worked 
at high levels uh, within within um, organizations. And I wanted to ask you, uh, perhaps, how does how does your how did your counseling and psychology background really come into the work that you were doing with others? Because coaching, you know, as a as a dynamic, it can be very kind of um, uh, sort of sterile in terms of not sterile, but but in terms of you know very business oriented and very um, organizational focused. So mm. how how did how does uh, how did you find psychology and uh, counseling come into what you were doing? You know, it's not easy to answer that question. I think the reason it's not easy is because it's uh, it's in my blood. You know, it's just it's the the lens through which I see the world, or or yeah. one of the key lenses through which I see the world. So um, I think one of the nice things, you know, it's interesting, often those of us who do have psychology backgrounds in social situations, we don't tell anybody because the first thing that happens is people immediately think, oh, you've been psychoanalyzing me all this time and you probably got me all figured out. And, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. So it's not something that I wear as a badge when I'm coaching because I don't, I don't want all that baggage that goes with it. Uh, it's been nothing but a, a boost to me and I hope, you know, a value to my clients because, you know, what is psychology? It's just a real interest in what makes people tick. Uh, and further than that, my training has taken me into human systems. So I'm thinking about how do people operate in systems and what are the, what are the influences that the, particularly the organizational system, the the culture have on individual behavior. And, you know, that can only be a boost when um, we're operating in a society that puts so much focus on the individual. Um, and I think that that does everyone a disservice and sometimes makes it easy for organizations to blame the individual or stuff the individual with everything that's going on in the organization. And when they can't cope, uh, giving them coaching when perhaps uh, a much bigger and more serious intervention is required. Yeah, at, at, at an organizational system level. Quite, yes. <laughs> right. Well, I suppose uh, one of the things that um, we're here to talk about is, is the woman in society, which is a whole other system that you, <laughs> oh, and, yes. I, you, you <laughs> and I have been brought up in. And, um, you know, standing in her power, um, cause that I've kind of set up is really trying to help women um, in some respects change into a, create a new system uh, in which mm -hmm. they can operate um, which you know is a very hard thing <laughs> um, because you know uh, when a system has been operative for I don't know to my knowledge at least 10,000 years when you know <laughs> men have been the dominant um, sort of uh, gender uh, that has created all of the systems that we're actually operating in today. Um, women have been, you know, tagged along, you know, have been tagging along. So how do you think about women in the system of today? Well, Penny, you certainly like to ask good questions. <laughs> That's a big question. That's a really big question. And, um, I mean, yeah, when uh, it struck me 10,000 years of, uh, of programming about who's in charge yeah. and uh, how things ought to be 
and uh, setting the norms for success and the behavior that it takes to become successful um, becomes so ingrained um, that it, it actually, I've been reading some stuff about this, um, it, you know, it actually changes our DNA, it changes our makeup. And so some of the things that we think are inherent in our capabilities are not at all. Um, but, you know, our brain chemistry has been changed, our molecular structure has been changed um, to fit uh, the norms that, that we're born into generation after generation after generation. So I think it's really, I applaud all the academics and all the researchers and the social anthropologists and the people who are out there pioneering uh, for a different and better way, because my goodness, you know, we're up against, uh, 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 you know, we're, we're climbing quite a, a steep mountain. Yeah. Uh, well, both you and I, you know, have, have spoken in the past about, yeah. you know, as women, you know, in our own lifetimes, we have, we have, we have made some major changes, but that doesn't change fundamentally the, the system in which we're operating and we're still sort of fighting the system in ourselves, you know, so yes. we, we, we yes. talk about the kind of unconscious programming that we as women have that we're also fighting against. So it's not all out there and it's not just in men and it's not just in the system, it's actually in ourselves. So perhaps let's go from the, the big picture to, to the, <laughs> from the macrocosm to the microcosm. Um, do you have any uh, stories of, of your own experience um, of your own life where you've suddenly seen the system uh, and you kind of collide and, and actually see that actually this is what the programming in the culture is all about and this is what not what I'm thinking at all yeah I I do um you know it, it is really interesting um I'm an only child I was born to older parents um and uh you know they were quite established in their lives uh by the time I, I came along, but my mom stopped working when I was born. And um, I wouldn't have said that I was in any way hindered uh, or that my choices were anyway uh, influenced around genders, uh, around gender. But of course, they would be uh, coming from uh, parents of, you know, an older generation, even older than my peers. Um, and it came to fruition or it came to, to mind one time uh, when I, I was in graduate school in New York City and I just got my master's in counseling. And that was uh, during a period of economic downturn and jobs in the social services and the counseling environment were very, very hard to come by. And I got a really good job, the director of a of an employment program. And um, I, was, I was terrified and excited at the same time. And I remember going back to, um, my, to visit my parents and I was telling my dad about this great new job I got. And the very first thing he said to me was, oh, that's wonderful, honey. Now, John, you know, my, it was my husband at that time, now he'll be free to pursue his career. And, that was just such a shocking thing that that would be the very, very first thing he said to me. Um, and it just 
came flooding into me all the programming that I must have absorbed about what men ought to do, what women ought to do. And, you know, very obviously in his mind, the man ought to be the breadwinner. And, you know, the only way I could be proud and happy about my success was the extent to which I was supporting my husband. And it was, it was shocking. It was really, really shocking. But interestingly, I never confronted him. That's all part of the, all part of the pattern. Yeah. So you never, you never confronted him. And, and, and how about, it sounded from the story, uh, I'm, I'm going to be a bit of a coach here. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it. (laughs) It sounded like when you were telling me about your story with your husband and, you know, he went, there and you went with him and he went to Wisconsin and you went with him and you know you a little bit of a a a man follower Um, oh yes oh um, yes so so how do you looking back on that now um you know obviously we we all have incredible unconscious programming and it's like following the husband or following you know uh, the breadwinner um it is part of the norm that you would do when when we were younger um so how do, looking back on it now what do you think about that oh i think it's uh i think it's sad uh you know sometimes i it makes me angry and sometimes it makes me sad and sometimes it makes me frustrated but you know what's interesting yeah i was following the man but i was the breadwinner um because you know wow. he had a, a a job in in the arts i won't say any more but um you know, I was the one who was bringing home the, the cash. Most of the money. <laughs> it, it was that way, you know, through the majority of our lives. And, you know, I didn't think, you know, here again, unconscious, I didn't think about it. I didn't resent it at that time. I was proud of what I was achieving. Sure. But I see, you know, I was, I was really on a upward trajectory in in New York when I was working and um, you know I was just about uh, when I resigned from the organization that I was working for my uh, my manager told me that she was about to um, put me forward for uh, a very big role uh, directing a citywide program Uh, and I just walked away from that I mean I did kind of think oh that's too bad. <laughs> but, I've got something uh, similar, another feeling. <laughs> I, I, I just walked away and, you know, followed, followed um, the hubby yeah. to a, a new state. And uh, how interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's like, and the, the thing is that we don't even, looking back, I mean, I, I had a similar scenario in my first marriage. You know, I was earning far more than my husband and yet, you know, I stepped out of my career in order to do something that he wanted. And I look back on it and I think, what a fool, what a fool mm. to, to do that. Um, and, and also, not only do you do that, but also you don't challenge him. Yeah, you, don't, exactly. you, don't, you don't ever have the conversation and say, well, why should I do, yeah. why should do I go there because you want to do it? Because, yeah. you know, my career is more important or my career is equally important or whatever. It's like we never had that conversation. But I think hopefully younger women do have those conversations and there is hopefully more uh, more opening to do that. Um, well, I would hope so. 
Uh, I hope so too. I was thinking the same thing. I hope that women hearing this uh, say the same thing as, you know, why in the world did you do that? I wouldn't do that. Um, I wouldn't even think of doing that. I hope, hope, hope. Um, And and I've got some evidence of the people that I've coached that 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 kind of unconscious following um, Mm. is happening less. Right, right. Excellent. Good. That's what we want to hear. Um, So I, um, I know you've worked with a lot of women um, in your career, as have I. Um, I'd like to perhaps talk about now some of the main blocks that you've encountered when you're coaching with women. Mm. Um, You know, what are the what are the things that kind of surface out of um, the experiences that they're having at work that caused you to realize actually this is part of the unconscious programming that you have to make conscious and you have to help a woman deal with. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've identified a, you know, a few big ones. I'll talk about the most obvious one first. And I know that you have uh, written about this and, and it's now, you know, a, a kind of recognized syndrome, the imposter yes. syndrome. Yes. So, you know, I, I remember walking through a, a you know, a, a, a prestigious office that had a beautiful foyer uh, and, and a, a mammoth artist, artist's installation in the, in the foyer, you know, high, high status organization. And this woman was a director. And as I was admiring the art, she said, yes, I, uh, I sometimes walk around here and think, what am I doing here? Um, how did they let me in? And I thought, oh my goodness, you know. So a lot's been said about that and and written about that. And I must say, you know, I've coached men who who have exactly the same uh, thoughts and feelings, but it it is prevalent in in women. And and therefore, I think because of that, you know, I will often hear women when they do want to make a change they will think about, well, I'll, I need to go back and get some more education or a qualification, something that's going to give me the badge uh, of honor that I deserve to, to go for this new area. Whereas men, you know, they'll just give it a go um, and, and see what happens. And um, so, again, yeah. I hope there's some changes there. But um, I, I think the other interesting thing is... Um, uh, women who are nice, you know, really, really nice and um, cooperative and helpful and generous and um, unselfish right. in their work lives um, and, and not getting the recognition, you know, not getting the benefits and the valuing of those wonderful qualities, because my goodness, you know, if there's one thing we need in the world right now, it's cooperation, collaboration, the willingness to um, think of others um, first, uh, or at least equal with ourselves. Yeah. But these are not uh, often uh, recognized in the corporate environment. In fact, they are used uh, as leverage um, against these women. And what I've uh, now this is this is a real psychology uh, issue because um, what I find with 
every single woman I've met who's too nice. You just have to scratch the surface and you get a huge layer of anger uh, and resentment. I mean, rage in some cases. I was going to say rage is (laughs) something I've actually encountered. Yes, yes. Um, And yet it's, you know, people who wouldn't have any insight around this wouldn't have a clue that 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 happens. Uh, And that's often why uh, these women, when they get frustrated and they can't contain it anymore within themselves, it'll come out in tears. And that again reinforces this idea that, you know, women are emotional and all that sort of thing. And men very often are shocked when I tell them, you know, if you've got women that you're working with and they're crying, that means they're pretty hacked off uh, at you, at the system, at what's going on. And they're often completely shocked to hear that uh, there's anger under our dear little Nice person. Uh, yeah, nice person. Yeah. Um, so that is a tough one because uh, these women are afraid of their own anger. They're scared of what will happen when they, you know, unleash, pop the cork, and they think everything's going to explode. Yeah. Um, but of course, that's not true. It doesn't really work that way. Yeah. What happens is that the fury of that and the intensity of that emotion that should be directed outwards, not in violence, but in, in some kind of a constructive way, it doesn't. It goes back inside yeah. and the person feels low, depressed, demotivated you know, wondering whether they can do it, whether whether they ought to do it, whether they ought to just leave and forget the whole thing. Um, mm. And so helping, I think one of the most satisfying things that I do in my work is helping women get in touch with that anger um, and help, help to use it uh, as a way to recognize when their values are really being challenged and you know, when they want to make the stand, um, not fighting every battle, but there are some battles that need to be fought. Um, and they've got the energy, they've got the capability. They just, you know, haven't had the experience to get to know their anger and realize it can be a friend. It can really be a friend. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to I'd like to talk about how you help people, you know, overcome the imposter syndrome, how you overcome they overcome the nice and cooperative, you know. So let's do that in a, the next stage because I know that there's um, is then is there another uh, block that you've encountered? Um, well, I, I guess the other one, of course, do you consider it a block? I mean, I, I'm full of admiration uh, for the women who are um, managing high-powered careers and managing a family as well. Um, and, um, you know, I think the pandemic has really brought home the fact that, that a great deal of burden is placed on women Uh, who, you know, of course, schools are now open, but they haven't, you know, they haven't been. And so the homeschooling, uh, managing all the work responsibilities, keeping the home going is falling um, quite a bit onto um, the the mother's shoulders. 
And um, that is a big challenge um, because, you know, they're just tired and we know how difficult it is to function when you're absolutely exhausted um, and have no room to think or to rest or to restore. Um, It's a problem, big problem. One of the blocks that, um, you know, I think we've spoken about is the kind of reticence to step up. Oh, yeah. And to and to shine, um, yeah. you know, because I think that's a that's that's a definite block, you know, oh, that, yeah. that I've encountered that that actually it's like, oh, I'm only a senior associate and, and I'm not sure that I should go to partner. And it's like I'm coaching men and it's like I'm going for partner. And there isn't a you know, there isn't a doubt. There isn't hesitation, whereas women are always concerned about, uh, you know, have I got everything? But it's not necessarily about the imposter syndrome. It's just the reticence to step up and step out because they, uh, they they think it's going to be too much hard work or or it's going to require stuff from them that they haven't got you know they're that kind of just reticence to be quiet and to you know not uh, not be seen that's that seems to be a yeah. different thing that's that's happening there yes that i i i i uh... I recognize all of that um, kind of waiting to be noticed. Yeah. And then when noticed, um, having all these doubts, um, I think men have these doubts when they step up too, but, but they overcome them more quickly. Um, and, you know, again, some of those concerns are valid because the women are, are stepping up into a, a climate and environment that um, doesn't, uh, you know, their style of leadership may not be on the radar screen, although, you know, oftentimes their qualities have been noticed and they have been encouraged to step up and forward. So I think the, the, the work with women who are willing to make the step and to confront their doubts, uh, you know, that work is just, you know, reality checking, reality checking, reality checking. The the difference between going into the future, predicting a negative outcome, and then responding as though that outcome was happening here and now. So the palpitations, the sweaty palms, the, you know, the doubtful thoughts, um, the, the lack of confidence, and the tendency to want to flee, uh, you know, are happening when, you know, Wait, what's happening right now? What's happening right now? And that is a matter of, you know, reprogramming and constantly, constantly kind of standing guard at the door of your consciousness, the door of your mind, and realizing, does this thought serve me or does it not serve me? And realizing that we are not our thoughts, we're not our feelings, we're bigger than all of that. There is within us that spark uh, that just needs to be, you know, flame that needs to be fueled. Um, and uh, it's, it's not easy, but, um, you know, very often after a period of, of people really uh, being much more vigilant and disciplined with themselves about their thoughts and not letting them run rampant, they're kind of amazed that there is this 
reservoir of strength and desire and determination and belief, you know, real belief um, that they've got something that they want to contribute. And that is a joy, yeah, absolute joy. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I think I, I think you're. I, I think I call it mind management because <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know becoming vigilant or becoming a, a kind of self-aware of the thoughts that are running through your head and actually recognizing that because you think something is not necessarily true, you no. do not think or you do not always think what is true. You think yes. lies, <laughs> and yeah. actually you have to be vigilant in your words as to actually is this thought true or is it a lie and why am I processing lies in my head you know and actually it is it does take some time though to kind of become more conscious of the thoughts that are passing through your head and actually to practice the mind management that says I'm not having that thought get out yes you know and that's that does take quite a lot of discipline and does take quite a lot of time um over a period of time to kind of manage um one's thinking uh, and to sort of allow what comes through um so this is yeah. fascinating thank you very much that's uh, i can see we're on the same track. <laughs> we haven't we haven't worked together in a long time but actually <laughs> i can see that we've developed our thinking in similar lines um so i know um a lot of uh, women that um um, you know, that may be watching this video, um, have come across the imposter syndrome and um, feel it in themselves um, and recognize it. And, um, you know, LinkedIn recently has had quite a few people commenting about Mm -hmm. the experiences with imposter syndrome. I'd really like to ask you, what is your approach when you encounter that as a major issue in a woman? What do you uh, what do you take the woman through in terms of the thinking and in terms of the the, the dealing with this kind of uh, quite pervasive thought patterning? Mm. Well, the, the, you hit the nail on the head there when you said pervasive, because mm. I think about this as a, almost like an octopus, you know, with many, many different tentacles wrapped around different systems emotional systems, thinking systems, uh, uh, you know, even our hardwiring, our nervous, central nervous system, everything gets affected by this, um, this belief that we're not really who we portray ourselves to be. Mm. And none of us are, you know, there, there are, you know, I'm not, I'm sitting here calmly, you know, nicely dressed, you know, this is not the way I am all the time. Um, yesterday, I might have been a, a raving you know, someone or another. So that's the one thing. But reality testing, reality testing, reality testing. Look at the facts. Look at the facts. But most of the time, yeah. So self-awareness. That that's the first thing. And to start to become much more um, aware when this pattern comes, and to challenge it because the problem is it hasn't been challenged for however many years you've been. Uh, uh, alive uh, and, you know, conscious, aware of of yourself and your relationship with others and comparing yourself to others, which starts at a very, very, very young age, that that doubting has never been challenged. So the voice, it's strong. It's really, really strong. And um, I think I have had the most success with... um, 
helping people to isolate and identify the part of themselves that's creating this because it is created it has been created as a solution to a problem in the past right might have been in your family um, and you learn that one of the ways you can keep peace in your family is by um, stepping back not pushing your your views you know not putting too much pressure you know as as little ones we are very clever at um, knowing how to keep our systems, uh, our family systems going. And yeah. we take all the blame upon ourselves. Yeah. I mean, you know, people know that. Um, so this was a part of ourselves that developed at a time uh, in a context when it, it may have been appropriate. It may have been necessary. It probably wasn't the best way or maybe the only way, mm. but it within the resources that you know, that child has, it is the only thing they can do, and they do it. And so this part has a protective nature about it. So the problem with it, it becomes like a closed system, and a closed system doesn't take in feedback. Right. Um, so the fact that the syndrome uh, at one time served a purpose, and now 30, 40, 50, 60 years later, it's a burden and it's uh, not helping anymore. It's liability. That part doesn't know it. Mm. It just has an on switch and an off switch. And it ha it's very sensitive to anything that might be a threat. And it turns itself on very, very easily and quickly, instantaneously, you know, threat on like that. So getting to know the part and kind of finding ways, and we do that in, in many different ways, physically, emotionally, through visualization, through many different uh, ways of accessing, finding a way to get that part to um, talk to us about what it's doing in our lives, and then working with other parts that haven't been able to get as much airtime in our thinking that's the strong the the courageous the the part that wants to go forward and uh, believe in ourselves gets stronger uh, and starts to have more prominence in 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 our internal system and um, you know again it's 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 uh, I think for many people it's a lifelong work yeah. Uh, yeah, a, a struggle, isn't it, really? Um, mm. But it, it, it comes out of that, you know, very early programming, isn't it? And it comes yes. out of the family system, as you've identified. <clears throat> so uh, I was going to ask you, uh, going back to, you know, the, um, the recent experience of women in the lockdown and the fact that... Uh, However much, and I, I've, I've co I coach men and I coach women, however much men talk about, well, in the lockdown, I was pulling my weight and I was doing lunches and dinners and everything. There's still the experience of, of most women that actually the burden of the, fat fam of the children in the family and the burden of caretaking the family has fallen on women during the lockdown. And I see that to be still a function of the the woman the system of men and women in the world today well say not in the world 
in the UK today, I have to say that, because I know that every country is very, very different. Even today, you know, there's cultures that are very, very backward um, thinking about women. But, you know, in the UK today, the women still have borne more of the brunt of the caretaking and of the children, uh, schooling and, and, and everything. So that does tell me that we haven't changed a lot. No. no, no, we haven't. We haven't, um, and um, you know, so there's, yeah, it it just kind of falls to women, and um, I don't, you know, we're, I think we are making progress because at least we're talking about it. It's yeah. it's it's more conscious now even though there aren't so many solutions, but um, at least, you know, it's a subject on the table. Mm. Um, but I, I haven't seen many, um, you know, many situations where different solutions have um, been able to be sustained. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, what is the solution? Because is, is it a is it a factor of women having a different kind of conversation with their husband? Is it is it a uh, is it an external circumstance that needs to be changed, or is it the internal dynamics of the of the husband and the wife versus the children that needs to that needs to uh, adjust? I think it has to be all of those. Yeah, because it resides everywhere, um, but. You know, I think, you know, if there can be one small victory, if women will see this as uh, a cultural, uh, something that's cultural, and and the fact that they find it impossible to do all these things right. is in no way uh, an indication of their lack of capability, quite the opposite. Right. I am in awe of the women, women that I've coached who, who keep these things together. I think they're paying a huge price, yes. uh, not only in terms of their, their mental health, because we're all talking about that, but their physical health as well. Mm. Um, so I think, again, you know, it's, it's just so easy to blame the individual and to think that, the responsibility for that is lies completely and exclusively uh, on her doorstep. And it's, it just doesn't. Yeah. Very interesting. So um, that, that's fascinating conversation, isn't it? Really? Um, I was going to ask you also um, if I, uh, let me, let me see. Um, did you have children? Let me ask you that question. No, I didn't. See, it's interesting. I didn't have children either. Mm. And, and I wonder whether the that there's going to be as part of women's liberation or women's freedom is the choice not to not to have children, not to um, engage in the sort of dynamics that in some respects, I mean, I, I, I was brought up in a very large family and I was you know, I was like the substitute mom because I was the, the, the eldest in the family and I, I did enough mothering. 
uh, for my brothers and sisters. And I thought, well, I'm not having, I'm not doing that again. So it, it, I wonder whether that creates a different dynamic. The fact that you don't have children, you do have more independence, you do have more freedoms, uh, and children, you know, are are a little bit of a burden in terms <laughs> of the caretaking that you have to organise for, even if you're even if you're not going to do it yourself as a woman you're the one that thinks about the sort of the, the, caretaking, the caretaking side of children and their growth and their development and things of that kind yeah i mean that that one is a little bit harder for me because um i wanted children right uh, i didn't always want children right. um by the time i realized i did want uh want them um it, it was harder, you know, I was older and it was harder and it just didn't happen. Right. Um, I mean, fortunately, I, uh, my husband, current husband, had a daughter from a previous marriage. Right. And so I've had the, the joy of being uh, what they call a bonus mama. <laughs> and now <laughs> I'm a bonus grandma. <laughs> and I, I love it. And I feel so pleased about that um but yes i mean i i acknowledge that um you know it's been easier uh you know to navigate career to yeah. to move countries to move uh within countries uh to work long hours and uh you know to have some you know somebody else uh you know there to yeah do some cooking and, and that sort of thing. And yes, I, I do have to admit that there are some advantages, um, yeah. but I still would have rather it had been different. Yeah, but, right. You know, I accept, I accept that that's the way it is. And I was determined not to be, um, well, I was sad about it, of course, but uh, not let it uh, ruin my life or make me feel in some way unfulfilled. Right, very good. Um, so I have a, a, another kind of almost assistance question. Um, okay. I'm kind of interested in the trends of the world as well as, you know, the, the kind of woman trends at a local level. But at the bigger trends, if I ask you, um, this is quite a subtle thing I have to sort of connect to. Um, do you see the world of work changing? Because... If men have created the world that we mostly inhabit today, they've created the concept of the big corporates. They've created the concept of, you know, the, um, the, um, the global domination, the, 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 the kind of the, the big uh, ideas that often uh, create power that enable men to feel fantastic and then they're doing great things in the world. But that's not necessarily what I think the kind of wiring of the innate nature of a woman is about. And that, you know, I sometimes envisage a situation, what if women were to change the world and we would create a world where we had a system or had systems that were much more natural, uh, natural to women, natural to the planet, um, where we would not be, um, you know, extracting um, the 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 wealth of the planet and consuming it in the way that our big corporate structures have 
done with impunity really over the last uh, several hundred years. And I think that women would want a more caring, more smaller focused world whereby we would be much more caring about the environment, caring about um, the planet, caring about you know, what impact our um, you know, manufacturing would have upon um, people and, and systems. And I wonder what thoughts you've had around that, you know, what kind of system would women create in the world that could be different to what exists today? Well, um, I think women, if women ruled the world, it would be different. It would be different. And in my humble opinion, <laughs> better um, in, in many ways, in many ways. Uh, things are changing. I mean, we do see women in uh, positions of power uh, in the corporate world, in the political world, uh, in the scientific world. Um, but it's, you know, it's still unusual enough that it often gets pointed out. Uh, the first woman this, the first woman that. And you think, my goodness, you know, it's taken a long time. And in terms of the way that we have been uh, consuming and, uh, you know, abusing our, our planet, um, I don't know that we've got time <laughs> to really see this experiment through. Um, whether, you know, I think how long would it take to really start seeing uh, a feminine energy, a feminine um, sensitivity really impacting the decisions um, of the world? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think better brains than I are probably are tackling that situation. Um, and of course, we still have. Uh, so we talk about inequalities and, and women, you know, women of color are finding it very, 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 very difficult to um, get into the positions of, of power that, that they want uh, and that they deserve. So, uh, yeah, I think we've got a long way to go. That doesn't mean we should stop trying. And that doesn't mean that we should in, in any way um, silence our voices and, you know, find courage to um, bring a different energy, a different sensibility, a different value set mm -hmm. into the environments in which we operate. Um, and uh, it'll ben it benefits everyone. It benefits Absolutely. everyone. It should do. I mean, it's interesting. I um, there's a very high-powered woman who who is um, one of the sort of senior marketing directors of, you know, the likes of. Well, I won't say what, um, but something in the order of magnitude of you know LinkedIn and mm -hmm. um, you know uh, TikTok and you know various yeah. areas like that that I've spoken with and her worry was you know there is such an emphasis from the top about growth 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 and oh, it's yes. like they can't see that actually growing a, a business that's technology that is constantly using up you know the energies of people to to market and to sell you know it, it, it's like hang on a minute have we got this wrong you know and women need and she sees it's wrong She's, she recognizes, hang on a minute, 
growth should not be the only factor. Um, and yet, you know, she's always measured by how much she's grown the marketing, how much she's sold this, this quarter. And it's like this constant, constant pressure. Now, I only perceive that to be part of the sort of the male sort of psychology that says um, growth is good. Yes. And somewhere, why, why don't we think that static is good? Why don't we think that getting smaller is good? You know, surely if we are consuming the wealth of the planet and consuming the, the well-being of the planet faster and faster and faster because everything is growing, why can't we see that actually making businesses smaller would be success? Yes. So it's like, you know, we need to kind of rewrite the mm -hmm. ideas of what success looks like both yeah. at, a, at a personal level, at a relationship level, but also at, at, a, at a business level mm. and a, um, you know, the concept level. So I don't know if you would have any thoughts on, on those ideas. Well, I, I wholeheartedly agree that um, the growth mindset is just so ingrained that um, it, it, you know, it's the assessment against which uh, everyone is measured in, yeah. in, in, in not just in business, but in the charity section, sector and in the, you know, all sectors. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and there are, you know, wonderful, refreshing ideas. You know, the circular economy is becoming more and more uh, known as a concept, as idea. It's being experimented with and tried. But it just, you know, when I hear these things, I think, oh, you know, there's just something that resonates that says there are different ways. Mm. There are different ways. And, you know, because of the uh, looming crisis or the, the crisis that's already upon us, um, you know, eyes are being opened. Our eyes are being opened to say, you know, we don't have decades. We don't have decade yes. decades to sort this out. Um Let's do it now. Yeah. And I think this is where women can hopefully feel a bit more confident to kind of bring out a little, little bit more creativity and, and actually to be a bit quite radical. I sort yeah. of feel like we need radical solutions to yeah. our own individual situations, but also into our work situations, into our cultural situations and into our society larger. So. Yeah, yeah. And I still wonder about the ways in which um, children are being pushed along gender lines. And um, again, unconsciously, unconsciously, uh, girls moving away from math, sciences uh, uh, into other, you know, girly type things. And yes. uh, so, yeah. <laughs> just got to change the world quite yet. We, <laughs> but we're trying. Right. Just keep keeping on, keep keeping on, and 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 chipping away at every single level and layer uh, of this, and um, thinking about where are the areas where we can have some influence on this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because uh, you know when I think that the mood is right uh, in the world, you know, 
receptivity to different ways of thinking, you know, this this might be a golden time uh, where new solutions are just so uh, obviously required that and the alternative is unthinkable that maybe this this is the moment. This is the time. Yeah. And I think, you know, women have an incredible amount to contribute in terms of creativity and innovative solutions to these issues because we are experiencing the world slightly differently to how men are experiencing it. And it's like, hopefully, um, need is the mother invention. And we have great needs, I think, in in Mm. our society today to to make those different. So... um, Sally, we've had a fascinating conversation. Thank you very, very much for your insights um, and bringing your experiences. Um, I suppose one last um, question is like, if there was one piece of advice that you would want to give women uh, from the wealth of your experience, what would you what would you say? This is going to sound very trite. Love yourself. Okay, say more. Well, uh, you know, you're not going to bring your creativity, your gifts um, out if you don't have an internal way of of validating yourself because you may not get the validation uh, externally. So the more you can, um, you know, get away from these airbrushed images and um, expectations and really think, you know, I am a person of worth because I am here, because I exist. So what what have I got to say? What's my authentic um, way of being in the the world where I can really uh, live my values? And if I'm living my values, I'll be influencing. And if I want to step onto a bigger stage, why not? Why not? Mm. I can do it. Thank you very, very much. That's brilliant. That's a, that's a wonderful, I, that's a wonderful note and very, very, very valuable piece of advice to give every woman. Um, it's one I have to keep reminding myself about. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, because it, it uh, you know, there's not enough love in the world and we need mm. to start with ourselves and, and yeah. then we can give out yeah. to others. So yeah. Thank you very, very much, uh, Sally. You're very welcome. And thank you, everyone who's watched this. If you have any questions or comments, um, you know, Sally and I will be, um, you know, engaging in that in this conversation after this. So, Uh, Thank you very much and bye-bye for now. Thanks, Penny. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to Standing in Her Power Global. What has been your biggest takeaway from this conversation? Please join our Facebook group to give us your feedback and engage in the discussions there. Share this episode with others who may be interested. Thank you for listening and we'll meet again in the next episode of Standing in Her Power Global.